Father, we, we do lift your name up this morning. Father, in the name of, of Christ, and, um, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you just be with us this morning. Father, thank you for the time of worship. Father, for the time to, to gather um, together in fellowship. Um, and Father, a time to um, give back to what you've given to us. And God, we pray this morning that um, through all of this you would be um, honored and that we would see you and, and that we would be obedient to you. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Oh, you're good. Um, well, good morning again. Um, before I, I, I dive into Acts chapter 6 this morning, we're going to look at um, the, the calling of the seven men, the deacons, um, entitled the sermon called uh, Chosen to Serve. Um, I've got two, two things. One is um, today is, is my beautiful bride's uh, birthday, and so um, I'm not going to torture her with singing or you in front of it, but Today is her birthday, and um, it's such a joy to journey through life with her. And then secondly, uh, this morning, I've asked Jennifer Nichols to come and share something um, with our congregation because um, each week um, we podcast this sermon and record the sermons as we've been going through Acts. Uh, she's been listening to to these, and Jennifer is, if you don't know, she's a uh, member of White Oak, attends the other campus, helps out with um, our son children in Sunday school and many other things. But Jennifer has a real heart um, for being obedient to the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus. And every week as she listens to the sermon, she sends me, um, sends me a, a message, and, and it just continues to break my heart um, for what God is doing in the text. And so I, I just wanted you to hear from her, let her share her heart. Uh, she always blesses me when she shares because uh, you can see the obedience of the Holy Spirit within her. And so I just want her to take a moment just to share and encourage you to continue just to dive into Acts and listen to the Holy Spirit and see what happens because um, God is doing a magnificent work in this. And so Jennifer, you come and share just a moment with with us. But it is a pleasure to be here this morning. And as John T. said, as I've listened to this sermon, I mean, in the study in Acts, I've just been blessed every week. God has encouraged my heart, um, has broke me in some areas, um, has renewed my commitment to follow Christ. I don't know what you came in this building with this morning. I know what I walked in this building with this morning, or rolled in this building. <laughs> uh, but I don't know what's going on in your life this morning. I know that we all have our issues that we come in this building with, and I know the issues that I've had in my life, but God is greater. 
just like the song we sang this morning, God is great. And uh, for those of you that don't know my story, I was born three months prematurely. Um, I'm a miracle. Every child is a miracle, but I definitely consider myself a miracle because I should not be here today talking to you, but I am, and it's because of God. Um, you know, when you're diagnosed with a disability at the age of one and you're told that you're not going to be able to walk and you're not going to be able to hold a pencil and we don't know what you're going to be able to do. But I saw God's hand on my life even before I met God. Um, I did not grow up in church. My family had actually gotten out of church for a while after I was born because uh, churches, you know, they weren't very accessible in 1980. So... <laughs> um, but the pastor of White Oak Baptist Church at the time knew my grandparents very well. And he would come visit us. And he would say, we want you to come to White Oak Baptist Church. And so my, my mother kept saying one Sunday, we're going to get back in church. We're going to get back in church. And we're like, okay. Well, one Sunday we showed up in church with my grandparents. And sitting on a church pew at 13 years old, the Holy Spirit worked on my heart, and I came to know Jesus. And God took a child. I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I mean, here I was with this disability. All I ever wanted to do was be normal. What the heck is normal? I don't know. <laughs> um, because when, I, when Jesus came into my heart, and I came to know Jesus as my Savior, I realized what was possible in my life. I realized that I could do things that I shouldn't be able to do and that God would take this disability and use it for his glory. And God can take whatever you're going through today and use it for his glory. Um, you know, this is Thanksgiving week, and I don't know about y'all, but it's kind of crept up on me. Um, and as I, as I was sitting and I was praying yesterday and I was thinking, you know, what to share with you all, I'm just thankful. I've been through a lot of stuff in my life, but I'm thankful. And everything that I've gone through, um, God has, you know, has worked and he's moved, and I'm closer to God now than I've ever been. Um, my mother got cancer um, shortly before. I went to graduate school and during that time I was absolutely I mean you know I was heartbroken um, and I was praying to God for him to touch and heal her but during that period of time I really dove into the word of God and I grew closer to God during that period of time and even in the midst of her passing away from cancer and all the things that happened with that um, God used that because I've had friends that have lost loved ones to cancer that I've been able to minister to. Um, God's used my disability to show people that anything is possible. I don't care what your circumstances are. If you know Christ as your Savior, He can use you. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I implore you before you walk out His door today, to come to know Jesus as your Savior because your life will never be the same. Will your life be perfect? No. 
The devil's going to work on you harder when you get saved than he ever will when you're not saved. But God will work and move in your life, but you got to be obedient. you got to be in his word and you got to be praying. And as I've gone through this series of Acts with you all and been able to listen to that, God has just implored me to keep reading, keep studying, keep sharing. Um, and when the devil discourages me, just keep walking with Christ because if God's by your side, you can do anything. And, you know, I just, I want to keep sharing and, and telling people about Christ and, and using what God has given me to bring him honor and glory and praise because I don't want to see anybody die and go to hell. And I, I know I got people in my own family that I pray for that I don't want to see die and go to hell. And I minister to them as much as I can. But we have got to go out and we've got to share the gospel and we've got to pray and we've got to be obedient and watch and see what God will do. Thank you. Here's why I... Uh, just listening to Jennifer, you can tell why I wanted her to share. Amen? But more than that, one of the things I appreciate about Jennifer, as, as I talk, turn to Acts chapter 6. Um, one of the things I appreciate about, about Jennifer is, is, is her obedience to the Holy Spirit. And, and the realization that God... In his infinite wisdom, knew that Jennifer would be most useful to him and his kingdom like this. Matter of fact, um, I, I don't see this as a disability for Jennifer. And I can say that with her sitting here because she, she knows my heart and I know her heart. I see it as an opportunity to make an impact because she doesn't look at her situation as a problem she looks at the one who is able to overcome the problem that exists and in that she has been one that has understood that she has chosen to serve and she serves with a heart full of greatness and thankfulness looking to Christ and so as we approach the text this morning we come to actually an, an interesting passage of scripture in Acts chapter 6. The church had, had continued to grow rapidly at this point. There, there are probably, most theologians believe, around 20,000 in attendance due to a uh, number of men being counted around 7,000. That doesn't include the women and the children. And so you have a church that has went from uh, a couple hundred that was following Jesus and specific, specifically the 12 to now thousands of people. On any given Sunday morning here at the Access Campus, we'll have anywhere from 60 to, or 50 to 60 people, sometimes 65, and if everybody was here, we'd have about 80-something on a regular basis. Can you imagine what would happen if within months we went from that to 20,000? What? Somebody was sitting in the cold. We'd be putting chairs in the aisle. We, we would be having 
I, I don't know, I'd be here at like 6 a.m. the first sermon and be here till about midnight at night just due to having to get people in the building and we would be at clockwork of boom, boom, boom. But in that, we would see a lot of problems, wouldn't we? As a matter of fact, I think most of us would, as that approached, would, would have an idea saying, man, God has done a work, but we, uh, we've got a problem. And we would begin to look at the problem and not the God who has allowed that situation to happen, wouldn't we? We can say, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to serve that many people? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Where are we going to put them? What are we going to do with them? How are we going to teach them? Those are real and honest questions. But what I love about this text this morning, as we, we see the, the role in the office of deacon come about, the reason the role in the office of deacon has come about is because the church was unwilling to do what the church was supposed to do. See, this situation arose because the church missed actually what they were supposed to do. And here's what I want us to hear this morning. Here is my grand kind of thesis this morning. If you're sitting in this building and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been chosen to serve for his kingdom. So you see a need, you help meet the need. It's not on my responsibility as one of the pastors. It's not on Mickey and Frank and, the, uh, and Jeff and, and Jeremy as deacons, but it's upon us as a congregation. When we begin to do ministry together as a whole, massive things begin to happen. And so here is what is going on in the church. Let's look to Acts chapter 6 and starting in verse 1. And we're going to read through the first seven verses this morning and, and take a look at how we can impact the kingdom from the place that we're at. Maybe even thinking that we have our own disability that hinders us. God's going to use that if we will allow him to, to do that and we will be faithful to him. So here's the text. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to the prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company, and so they chose Stephen, a man of, full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicorum, uh, Timon, Parmesius, Nicholas, and a convert, uh, a convert from Antioch. And they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, and the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Well, let me make a note from the very end of the text there. Did you notice this, that that the apostles tell the church what to do, and all of a sudden what happens again? The church, what? Continues to grow. Why? Because the, the apostles, the pastors, the leaders of the church were able to do what they were called and gifted to do, which is to pray and to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. The church continued to grow. 
as a pastor, one of my responsibilities, my primary responsibility, the more I grow in the Word, the more I study the Word, whether it's here or in Ephesians or 1 Timothy or even in the Old Testament, the more I study, the more I realize I need to spend time in prayer and study the Word so that I can equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Because in all reality, as a pastor, we can't, I cannot minister to the masses. I don't have the time. Nor am I called to do that. But the beauty of this is my role is no different than your role. This morning on the way in, Jet asked me a really, really good question. He sat in the back of the car and he said, Daddy, can women be pastors? No, nobody, women aren't called to be pastors, but women are called to ministry and can serve in many, many other ways. That there are ways that women can they can teach, they can they can sing, they can they can serve in missions, they can be all other kinds of places. But God has gifted pastors for a certain role. And then I want to tell him this: my role as a pastor is no different than any other role in the church other than I am gifted and called to equip every, everyone else. So that, that's my responsibility. You know, it's amazing how young ones will ask good, deep questions, isn't it? And it's an able opportunity to teach them that's what's going on. So let's open up our text. Let's, let's, let's dive in quickly this morning. The first thing I want us to see is there was a reason to serve. In the text, there there was a reason that 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 this service had to come about. Uh, there became an, an issue between two groups of people: the the Hellenistic um, widows and the Hebraic women. And you say, what what is those two groups? Well, that's a good question. Thank you for asking. Um, Hellenistic women were those who were influenced by the Greek culture. They weren't um, necessarily staying in, in Jerusalem. They had actually come from outer communities, but they were Jewish women. They were Jewish followers of Christ, and they had come to, uh, or Jewish followers uh, of Yahweh, um, and had come to uh, this region probably for the Passover season. And, and during that time of season, they, like others, had probably come to faith in Christ, and now they're in the community. These are, these are women who um, are older and who need help, and so, so they're, they have come together, and, and, and they're one set of group. They're, they're Greek-speaking, which means that, that they're not um, speaking of the Hebrew. They don't speak Hebrew. They speak what's going on in modern-day language, which Greek was the, the modern-day kind of cultural language in the region. And so um, Aramaic and Hebrew would have been the main speaking language of Jesus in this region, uh, but these are Greek-speaking. They also did something else. They also, in the Old Testament, their Old Testament version, uh, what they would read was, was what was called the Septuagint, which was a Greek translation of the Hebrew. And so if they went into the synagogue and the, 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 the rabbi began to teach and, and read uh, out of Hebrew, they wouldn't have understood it. They were Greek listeners and hearers. Just like you and I are what English listeners, right? If, if we go to Russia and a pastor begins to speak in Russian, we have an issue, don't we? We, we don't understand. 
So that was one group of ladies. The other group is, is the Hebrew ladies, the ladies from this region of Jerusalem, and, and, and they were um, spoke Hebrew. They, they were in the customs of what was going on there in the region. They were um, would have thought of themselves as more Jewish because they would have been more pure because they had the, the Hebrew Bible and, and they were doing that kind of thing. And so an issue arose, an issue of serving these two groups. The Hellenistic women said, we're not getting our daily rations of food like we need. We have an issue of separation, do we not? Do you see it in the text that there is a separation between the two? It was right for them to bring this before because this should not have happened. This distribution should have been equal. But because the apostles were about the business of teaching, they did not see this going on every day. It was brought to their attention that, that this is going on. And so what is a pastor's responsibility to do? What are the elders' responsibility to do when a situation arises? They are to resolve the situation with Christ and the kingdom at the, the, the center of it. Not to look at each situation, or not to look at one group or the other group and play it against each other, but to solve the situation in a Christ-like manner. And, and so that's what happens here. The apostles say, all right, we, we don't have time to wait on tables. They weren't trying to be rude or mean and saying we're not willing to serve. What they were saying is we have a responsibility and we have a massive congregation that can serve each other. And so what we need you to do is choose seven men who are of utmost character, who are highly gifted, who have followed after Christ, who you see, and, and bring them before us. And so these seven men were chosen, chosen to serve. Were they chosen to lead? Hmm? Were they chosen to lead? Not, not, not at all. Matter of fact, they're given absolutely zero leadership responsibility. You know what, in the Greek, the, the idea here is what's going on when we begin to translate this. It's, there's, there's this idea of the, that they are the lead servants. They are the ones that when they see a need, guess who jumps in first and begins to meet that need and allows others to follow them. It's these men. They begin to jump in. They begin to serve, and others begin to follow after them. They begin to take people with them and say, hey, so-and-so's got an issue. Let's go. For example, let's say Mickey sees an issue or hears an issue of someone who, who's in need. He says, all right, we've, we've got a need here. Let me grab Gary. Let me grab Jeff. Let me grab Teresa. Let me grab Bill and others, and let's, let's go meet this need. Uh, so that we can work together. Tom's not a deacon, but if he sees a need and he says, I see a need, let me go grab some people and let's, let's meet this need together. Just, and he's not a deacon because uh, we've not ordained him a deacon, but you know what? He's a follower of Jesus Christ who loves to serve, and so he serves in the heart of, of that role. We all should serve in that heart kind of role. 
and so there, there's these seven men, and they're chosen, and they're men of character. They're men who, who love Jesus Christ. They're men who, who had walked with God, and so they come to serve. So there's a reason to serve. It's because there's a need that has arisen. Let, let me point this out. There, there, there are needs across our congregation. There are needs across people that we know of that need service. And the thing is, instead of talking about how to solve the problem, maybe we need to get some people together and go solve the problem. Amen? One of the things that you will have probably heard from me or Pastor Tony or some of us is this, is if you want an issue to die, send it to a committee. It's true. If, there's, if, if anybody has a great idea, don't ever take it to a committee because it will die. Am I right, Ronnie? Because we'll talk about it for months and months and months, and all of a sudden we have no idea what the idea was. We, we just go serve. When we see needs, we go serve. How, how did our Thanksgiving meal to home away come about? There was a need that was seen, and all of a sudden people begin to jump on it, and now the need is being met. Let me put a plug in here. There is a need that's going to be, that we, we need over the next few weeks and months to help administrative-wise at Wide Oak. There's a good place to jump in and serve. There's other needs. There's needs around here. Nikki can, can show you all kinds of needs and walk with you. Donna can show you all kinds of needs. And these are people that are willing not just to show you the need, but willing to serve with you. Risa, others, I can name over and over the needs. But secondly, there's this idea that when we get to the text, is this, there, there's the character of the servant. You see, it's important that we see the need, but, but secondly, in the text, I think it's important that we understand that there is an issue of character with these men who serve. How many of you believe character is a, a massive thing for you? You, you want to ha be a, a man or a woman of good character. Anybody? We do, don't we? we? We want our word to mean something, do we not? We want our actions to, to be the right kind of actions, right? We, we want our, our life to point to something. And so when the 12 began to, when they were summoned, in verse 2 it says the 12 were summoned, um, summoned the whole community or the whole company of the disciples and said it would not be right for us to give up preaching um, the word of God to wait on tables brothers and sisters select from among you seven men of good reputation full of the spirit and wisdom and look at the characteristics and, and the character that is demanded in the text of, of these men who are lead servants they are men that are of good reputation. Not just among the community, but outside of the community. When I begin to hear about somebody's reputation within the church, that, that matters. But if I know somebody who knows them outside of the church, and somebody begins to say, you know what, Frank, I know Frank. And Frank is a man of good character. I have seen him and watched his life. And they're not a part of our church. That means a lot. 
to me. Because that means he is living out the Christ-like life outside of the four walls of the church. There is a character of having a good reputation. But how many of us don't have that kind of reputation? How many of us have a reputation that looks different inside the walls than they do outside of the walls? How many of us uh, are have that, that people, if I went to your work or I went to your, your family life, I can promise you my family life's going to, they're going to say, yeah, 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 he's. Because they know us well, right? But at the end of the day, they'll be able to say, you know what? John's got these kind of problems, but what I see is a heart of repentance in him even when he does something wrong. That he loves Christ. When, when people see us outside, that, that matters. Our reputation means a lot. But your and I, reputation as Christians, is it, not only a marker on us, but it's a marker on us individually, but it's a marker on us corporately. Did you, did you know that? I, if I go out and I do something that's, that, that ruins my reputation, I don't only ruin my reputation, who else do I ruin? The church. same for all of us is it not that's the reason we, they can say that the church is full of hypocrites it's not it's not because we're not going to make mistakes if they're out there it's how we repent and turn from our mistakes is what matters and so these men have this good great reputation they were full of the spirit of God what does that mean, to be full of the Spirit? What, you said, wait a minute, I thought we were filled with the Holy Spirit at the day of salvation. We, we are. But these were men who, who sought after Christ Jesus. They were men who were on their knees. They were men who sought to walk in the, the words of the apostles. They were men who thought of the movement of the Holy Spirit was greater than anything else in their life. They wanted the Spirit to guide every single inch of their body everything they did they wanted the spirit to guide them and so they were they were men who prayed they were men who walked in the word they were men who who cried when when sin entered their lives they are men who repented when things went wrong they were men when they began to see other people doing things that they went with the spirit of kindness love grace and mercy to correct and to to rebuke to bring back that person for the sake of the kingdom, these were men who didn't begin to gossip and begin to say, you know what, so-and-so over there is doing this and that, and, and, you know, maybe they need to be kicked out of the church or whatever it may be. Now, I'm all for church discipline, but there's a proper and a good way to do it. There's a kindness and a care and a love and a compassion to do that. And these men had that. And they had wisdom. What's wisdom? What is wisdom? Is wisdom knowledge of the brains? 
exactly. The ability to work out God's Word in our life and to understand how to make the right decision because we listen to the Holy Spirit. There are many brilliant men and women of the faith who have lots of knowledge of theology and zero wisdom. Because they're not able to work out that knowledge in a way that affects everybody in a positive way. Just because we're older doesn't mean we get wiser. Matter of fact, a statement that I hear that lacks wisdom is this. The older I get, the more I have a right to say what I want to say. That's not true. Matter of fact, the older I get, the more I should say should seem like Christ and not me. Matter of fact, the older I get, I hope I'm able to keep my mouth quiet instead of opening it. Wisdom comes with understanding how God's Word works itself out. You, you can be Lucy's age at 16 and be full of wisdom and actually be one of the wisest people sitting in the room because she allows the Word of God and the Spirit of God work itself out into her as she in invests in us. That can happen. Let's be for men of, of that kind of character. And find it interesting that as we continue to read the text in verse 4, it says this, but, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And this proposal pleased the whole congregation. So that you see that? This pleased the congregation. You know why? Because the congregation was focused on a couple different things. They were understood that the apostles need to be praying, and they saw the impact of what the Word did, and they're like, yeah, these guys need to continue to do this so, so, the, so the ministry will continue to grow, that these, these gifted men, these, these men who are called to, to preach the Word can continue to dive into the Word. Let me take more of that off of them so they can dive deeper into the Word and they can prepare for the Word and they can preach more and, and invest in more, and the more they did that, the more the kingdom grew. What happens in our church? We hire a pastor who's expected to do all the hospital visits. Who's expected to lead all of the ministry. Who's expected to be at every little thing? The pastor. I, I get it. I'm one of those guys. I make hospital visits. But my emphasis in the Word is much more important than anything else. And my wife reminded me of that yesterday. That, that I can't always be available. That if I don't treat these two particularly sitting here and then Sadie downstairs the right way if, if they're not outside of Christ the most important thing to me then I can't I can't pastor a church I refuse to lose them for the sake of the church 
I'm not called to do that. I say this because I want us to be healthy. You know who's called to serve the church with character and wisdom? If I had a big mirror, it would sit there, and then I would turn around and look at myself. We're called to do that. We're called to do that. God never saved anyone to sit on a pew. Yesterday, all over our nation, football games were going on. There were young men sitting on the sidelines that what? Wanted in the game. Right? Here's the difference between us and athletics. You don't have to ever sit on the sideline. And the head coach is always inside of you and working within you. And at no point are we called to go to the sideline. So this proposal pleased the whole company and the Holy Spirit. And a man, and, and, and so they chose Stephen. I love this. We're going to look more at Stephen over the next couple of weeks. But a man called Stephen who was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Man, it's interesting they point Stephen out, right? Because here's a, a leader among leaders. And they chose them. And then thirdly and lastly this morning, starting in verse 7, we see the outcome of service. So the, the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Because there was a reason to serve and there was a character to serve. And, and these men served and the church got it and they allowed the, the, the leadership to, to, to preach and to pray and to do the things that it was called to do. Guess what happened? There became an outcome that transformed everybody. It says in the text that in the text that, that the church began to continue or continued to grow over and over and over because of what was going on. I believe this with all of my heart. If we will do the right thing, if we will uh, serve and do like God wants us to do, the church will begin to grow at a point where He is able to, to be glorified more than we could ever imagine, but His kingdom would grow to a point where we could not control it. But it would continue to grow, and we would be okay because it's out of our control anyways. And here's the same thing I find in the text is interesting. It says, even the priests were what? Coming to faith. Just a chapter early, who, earlier, who was leading the arrest of the apostles? It was the priests. Right? Am I? Is everybody tracking here this morning? Are we? I'm almost done. I know it's early. We're all tired. But we, we want to see people that, that are hard to the gospel come to Christ. Let's do this. And this that will happen. So, how do we apply this? How, how do we take this text and, and how do we 
apply it to our lives? Where do we go from here? Well, A, we, we realize there, there's needs all over the place that need to be met. But we keep talking about the need and start meeting the need. One of the things I love is what has happened, and, and I don't know how it kind of arose, but there was, began to be, seemed to be a need um, of a, getting a Bible study off our campus. And, and all of a sudden now, every other t- uh, Thursday night, there, there is um, a group going over to Homeaway leading a Bible study. This past week, Bill was leading it. The week before, uh, Brother Roy was leading it. Mickey's going to lead it. I think Gary's going to lead it. There's going to be others who are leading that need that they're going to, to the place where people are at. Instead of asking those people always to come here, we go on their turf and we take the gospel there. There was a need there, and, it, and they began to talk about it. And within weeks, all of a sudden, it wasn't just talk. It's in action. There's other needs that can happen. There's other needs that do happen. And in that, what we do is when we see a need, just grab a group of people and say, let's go meet the need. I'll promise you, even these younger ones here that are sitting here and over there, if if there's a need, you take them with you, they'll go and they'll understand and see Christ's kingdom greater than they will even in here. Because one of the things that generated the the newer generation wants to see is the church in action, not just the church speaking. And so let's get to action. And don't just look to some of us to lead that action. Let's all get to action. So secondly, we're going to have character to do that. Jennifer spoke of that. If you don't know Christ, today's the day to come to know Christ. And Jamarian last week came to Christ. Here in a couple weeks, we're going to baptize him, right? We're going, we're going to dunk him in the water. Yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah, wait a minute. We're going to dunk, do what? <laughs> we're going to go swimming there, Jamarian. Right up back there. No, we're not going to chest frost. Not unless you can, some other brave soul will get in that cold water with you. I'm out. There's a need. Anybody want to meet it? All right. So, but in that, there, there are needs. But there's a quality of who we need to be. And lastly, we don't have to entertain people to heaven. We don't even have to entertain them to church. But matter of fact, my job's not to be the funniest guy on the planet. I don't even attempt to be that. You know what my job is to do? Equip you to do the work of the ministry and allow the Holy Spirit to change me. And so if we'll do all of that, guess what will happen? Worrying about paying the bills and are we going to make it or not make it, all that stuff won't matter. You know why? Because we'll be spending every dollar we've got for the sake of the kingdom and it will be good and then more money will come in to spend more of that for the sake of the kingdom. Because Jesus is not broke even when we think we are. So if you're committed to serving, you're saying, I am a servant of God. He has saved me. He has redeemed me. And I'm ready to get on board. I want to make this kind of difference. 
don't make that commitment to me because you, that commitment to me doesn't, I mean, it matters, but it only matters most when it's to Christ. And so as we respond, are you committed to be one of the chosen ones who serve? Let's stand as we respond in the word and song. Father, this morning, may you take this word that has been spoken and preached. And may you transform us. Father, for some of us, we've, we've sat on, on the pews for a long time. And Father, for some of us, we can't do a whole lot just due to, to physical abilities and those kind of things. But we can do, we can do some things. We can, we can write cards. We can make phone calls. We can, we can spend time in prayer. Other of us are a whole lot more able to do physical things. And all those are important. But one thing that all of us in this building who are believers in you can do is that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can open our mouths and we can invest in others for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I heard it, I've heard it stated many times that we can share the gospel at all times, but when necessary, use words. Father, what such a fault, faulty statement. We, yes, are to share the gospel at all times. But always when we share the gospel, we must always use words. Yes, our actions can speak to you and about you. But God, no one can come to faith in you unless they hear of your goodness and your glory. And so God, may we do those good deeds. But may, may we also speak of your goodness. In Christ's name.